Welcome to the Mailbag Podcast. Welcome to the Mailbag Podcast. This is a platform for people to tell their stories. This is a platform for people to tell their stories. Making podcasting a success. Making podcasting a success. And now, here's the host of the Mailbag Podcast, Neil. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Welcome to the Mailbag Podcast. This is a podcast used as a platform for people like you to tell your story. You may ask yourself, how telling our story benefit us? Well, here's the thing. We need to know and express our own stories. Telling our story is not an end in itself, but an attempt to release ourselves from them, to evolve and grow beyond them. That's why we should tell our story. Well, you may ask yourself, do I have a story to tell? Absolutely. Maybe you got laid off from your job. Maybe you started a new career. Maybe you got a promotion. Maybe you had a rough childhood. Perhaps you was molested. Maybe you just started a new relationship. Maybe you just ended a relationship because your spouse abused you. Your spouse cheated on you. Maybe you are still in a abusive relationship. Whatever it is, you have a story to tell. Or maybe you just fell in love. Perhaps the love of your life. Tell your story. We want to hear it. We'll learn from it. Maybe you have a business you would like to promote. Maybe you have written a book. Maybe you're an artist, a singer, a poet, and you would like to promote yourself. You would like to promote your song, your new music video. Maybe you have information that will help us, community awareness. Maybe your church is having a special event. Let everyone know. Maybe you want to tell us the goodness of God. Give us your testimony, how God healed you, how God spared your life. Share it. Tell your story. Telling your story gives people hope. It's so easy to do this. All you have to do is pick up your phone, call me. You and I will sit behind a machine and talk. Just that easy. It will be live. It will go out to different platforms, many platforms like Spotify, Anchor, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, and many, 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 many other platforms. So send an email out to me and just say, Neil, I got a story to tell. Just that simple. Address your email to Neil, N-E-A-L, at the mailbagpodcast.live, L-I-V-E. Okay, now, we do have a guest on the phone. Her name is Sonia. Sonia, I do apologize in advance for taking so long to get to you. I want to thank you so much for holding on. Sonia, welcome to the Mailbag Podcast. Introduce yourself and tell your story. My name is Sonia Glenn. I work in healthcare as a cytotechnologist. I am a minister. I did my trial sermon in April of um, 2012. So for the last eight years, I've been in ministry. I moved here to Greenville 16 years ago from Baltimore, Maryland, and um, I go to Hood Theological Seminary. I'm working on my master's in divinity degree at Hood, and thank you for having me tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you say that you moved here from Baltimore? I did. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, yeah, yeah. Look, thank you so yes, much. Yes, I know you're a huge Raven fan. Oh, absolutely. You know, I spent some time in Baltimore. As a matter of fact, I lived there myself a little over 30 years. So, yeah, definitely, okay. definitely. Are you in the medical field? I am. Well, yes, I'm a healthcare worker. I work as a site of technology. Well, thank you. Thank you. 
I want to talk about the fact that you say you are a minister and yeah. and not just a minister. You are a minister of a certain denomination that we I would like to get into later. And also you are furthering your ministry. Yes, I am. Um, I am uh, AME Zion is, is my denomination. Um, and I also attend Hewitt Theological, um, Hewitt Theological Seminary, where I am working on um, earning my master's degree in um, divinity. Are you an ordained minister? No, I'm not. I'm not ordained. Um, I'm not ordained yet. Um, I have not been, but I will be eventually. I just not have happened. Now, what does that mean, being ordained? As an ordained minister, it's like having a learner's permit. <laughs> this is the best way I can explain it. As a minister, I have a learner's permit. There are certain things that I cannot do. Once a person becomes ordained, it's like getting their driver's license. They have more privileges. One of the big privileges in the African-American Methodist, in the African Methodist Episcopal Church is that an ordained minister can handle the sacraments, the bread and the wine. They are the only um, person who, if you're not ordained, you cannot handle those sacraments. So it's just like having a, like having a, like I said, I'm, as a minister, like I'm having a nurse permit, and once you get ordained, you know, um, you can marry people, um, you can officiate. You know, weddings and funerals and stuff like that. You did your initial sermon, I think you said, eight years ago? Yes, in 2012. 2012, eight years ago, and you were not ordained yet. The AME, yeah, the AME Church, I did a little research on that because I'm curious. I mean, AME. Yeah, at first I had to learn what the initials were, and then I dug a uh-huh. little deeper, and I found that there was a bishop. It was a bishop named Richard Allen in yeah. Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, in the eighteen hundred, like eighteen sixteen. I guess he's the founder uh-huh. of this denomination. Yeah. So um, basically, the AME Church is just there for African Methodist Episcopal, and what that basically means is that the founder Richard Allen. He was a free African. So AME just means that is our denomination is African of African descent. We descent, we follow the Methodist doctrine and we have an Episcopal organization structure. So you have African Methodist Episcopal and you have AME and AME Zion and I am part of AME Zion. In 1800, 1816, there were slaves here in this country. Yeah, I think today, yeah. I understand that Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is in the north. It's one of the northern states. As a matter of fact, it was the first capital state before it went to D.C. So is it safe to say that Bishop Richard Allen, who was the founder of the AME denomination, was he or I'm sure his ancestors were, but was he a, uh, a slave? Uh, Richard Allen was actually a free man. Um, the, AME, um, the AME church has a really rich history, and um, it will be something that I think that um, your listeners may enjoy, um, someone who's really um, knows that history. Because it has a really rich history because it has done a lot for the African Americans from like the what? inception. Like what? Tell me what tell me two uh, things. Well the AME the church the method the AME church is stands for like social justice. I mean, they are really big in social justice. 
a lot of times, you know, things that have happened within the in in our country dealing with social social justice. The Amy Church has been um, instrumental and been a change agent even until this even until this day. But so, it, that they do have a really rich history. So, with with the name of this denomination, it seems like it's geared towards black people and black people only. So, if there is some type of discrimination from other races. No, not at all. I, I sort of think that. Then why um, not change the name? <laughs> well, well, okay, I sort we, of we think may that... not want to get into that. We may not want to get into <laughs> right. that. But, okay. But you know, I'm I'm very inquisitive. You know, I want to know. You know, this is the male yeah. okay. I, I, I know you are not in a position to give any type of statement in reference to that. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm, I'm not into denominations. Okay, I, I am a, you know, I am a God fearing man. I believe that Jesus mm-hmm. Christ is my Lord and Savior, but I am not into denomination. Now, David Edmund typed in different denomination. David, if you if you can, can you kind of expound on that? You don't have to call. Just type in a little. Thanks for your comments. Thanks for your comments. So, minister, is, is it safe to call you minister? It is. How many sermons have you done? <laughs> um, it's really hard to put... Um thinking back all the way to 2012 um, because to put a number on it before I, um, I grew up Baptist in Pentecostal. So um, I'm an AME Zion convert is what I like to call myself. So I did not do my initial sermon under the AME Zion umbrella and the church that I left, I was um, an associate minister and um, I An would associate preach minister, frequently. yeah, without being ordained. So I would preach without being ordained. Yes, interesting. Okay, yeah. So I would preach. Um, I would preach more frequently there. So it's really hard to to put a number on um, the number of ser- sermons that I have preached. But there there have been several <laughs> since you are in. Excuse me. You are in, is it safe to say theologian school? Seminary, yes. Seminary. What's the difference? All right. Um, I sort of look, seminary is just a place where theologians go to study. Um, Theology is the study of God. So basically, so a seminary is just a, a school that prepares, you know, preachers and lay people to do ministry more effectively. Okay. What have you learned since you've been in school? Uh, I mean, that actually what, what, what have, would... What have you learned in school that you haven't never heard of in church? Honestly, Neil, that would probably have to be a separate show. show. Give, me, give me two I things. I will say give that... Me two things. I will... Let me just say that in seminary... I have learned, had to learn, and as well as relearn a lot of things um, that I thought I knew. Seminary, um, you have to go in with a a really open mind because, and it's sort of like the things that you're taught in seminary, the things that you need, sort of like you just take the, 
meat and spit out the bones because you learn so much and so many different perspectives. It really, when I first went to seminary and David Edmund, who was, who was on the call, was in my Old Testament class. Oh, and okay. so he, so he knows that, um, you know, we learned a lot and we struggled with some of the things that we learned. And I don't really don't want to get into specifics, but we oh, did struggle with some of the things that we learned. Um, but, you know, we, you know, as we study and we broaden our mind, I will say that um, seminary has opened my eyes up um, to so much when I first went there. I went there with the short-term goal of becoming a chaplain, um, and now I just my mind's been opened so much that I'm really interested in religious studies and the study of religion, and so I really want to go back to school to get my PhD in religious studies. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I'm not going to dig on that, uh, although. Uh I always carry a shovel because I love to dig. You know, I'm very inquisitive, <laughs> and a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people, they, um, they, I am totally misunderstood because you know I want to know. It's for my knowledge. It's for my knowledge, uh, Minister. Yeah, I work with a lot of teenagers. I found out over the years that they really don't like going to church. When I was coming mm. up, it was mandated. We had to go to church. What do we like it or mm-hmm. not? But now the parents are not, and I'm speaking in general, there are many, many parents who are not forcing their kids to go to church. And there, there's a lot of thing that goes on in church. Like, like one, it, it's, it's, it's hard to ascertain the differential of giving in your tithing to help uh, the upkeep of the building. And to help the people in need, because you um you always turn mm-hmm. on the TV and you hear in the news, you you read in the newspaper that you have ministers, you have TV evangelists, you know they already have two jets, but they want another check, and they are very bold about it when they bring it to their congregation. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, um, minister. <laughs> they they are very Uh-oh. bold about it that they would tell their congregation that they need this certain amount to buy another jet because God want them to have this jet. In a video posted to his website last week, televangelist Jesse Duplantis says God told him he needs the new Falcon 7X jet. That if Jesus was physically on the earth today, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. Reaction to this multi-million dollar request has been mixed on the ministry's Facebook page. One person wrote, I am ashamed I ever listened to a word you had to say. Another posted, I believe Pastor Jesse will have his plane, and that is the way God has planned it. Duplantis is not the first minister to preach the gospel of private flying. If I want to believe God for a $65 million plane, you cannot stop me. Creflo Dollar asked his suburban Atlanta congregation for a new Gulfstream G650. His ministry settled for a used one. Father, we thank you so And this past January, Texas-based televangelist Kenneth Copeland announced the blessing of a new multi-million dollar Gulfstream 5. The world is in such a shape, we can't get there without this. Sunday morning, I was in Boston, Massachusetts. Monday, I was in New Orleans. Tuesday, I was in Chicago. The Lord says how we treat the poor is how we're going to be judged. Stories of pastors and private jets are not the best way of exemplifying 
what we mean by following Jesus. Oof, I'm going to have to take a moment here. You know, I get I get very emotional in a negative way when I hear things like that. God wants them to have a jet. Um, by my knowledge of reading the Bible, um, when Jesus was uh, walked this earth, he rode, he walked. That's exactly what he did. He rode a donkey. Mm-hmm. Yep, now, you are. He has so many followers, and I'd never read where he asked them for anything in reference to money, mm-hmm. especially not a jet. I know it wasn't invented then, and just a little sarcasm, but you get my point. So my question with mm-hmm. all of that is, you, do you believe, now this is only your opinion. Of course, you, you don't okay. know the facts. Do you think that the church is run more so of a business? Well, I think you started off, um, when you started off, it's correct. The church nowadays look a lot different than the church that I grew up in. It's um, it, the, it look, the, the, the makeup of the church, it looks a lot different than what I see now. So I remember growing up in, 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 in the church and, um, I don't remember, I don't even know if the pastor got a salary. He probably did. I believe that we took care of the man of God as we should. Um, but it was no extravagance in the church. Um, but now when you look in the church, the church, we have evolved into the massive buildings with all of this technology. And I look at it, um, you know, the mega church. And when I think about a business, I think about for profit. So I don't want to think that the, that the church is for profit because the church is supposed to be nonprofit. Can I stop you right there, please? Yeah. I didn't ask yeah. you a political question. I asked for your opinion. Can you talk like direct to me? Do you think the church is more focused on gaining worldly things like money and opposed to getting uh, uh, salvation of the congregation? I'm specifically talking about the leaders. I'm talking about the pastors, the ministers, the bishops. Do you think that they are more focused on their self-profiting? and opposed to the salvation of their congregation? Well, I I really can't answer that question with a yes or no answer. I can say that, I can say, I can only say that, talk about what I see. Um, What do you see, Minister? I see the church, the African-American church in particular. I still see it as a pillar in the community. I see that it has that it has an appeal to the masses. Um, people go to churches, people um, you know, they they go in to worship. Um, I don't want to pass judgment on any one or any body, but I will say that when I see churches with billboards, I think of that as marketing strategy. So it almost is like, you know, churches are in competition with one another now. I think that the church becomes dangerous when it takes its focus off of Jesus and his message. Um, when the focus is no longer on Jesus and the message, then I think that it's like a thin line from being ran as a business 
and keeping their eye and focus on Jesus and the real message of the church. Um, I only thing I have to go by is Christ and the example that he that he left for us. Um, these the big, the mega churches, and I was a, a member of a mega church. And I will say that it operated, um, that, you know, there was many people on the payroll and, you know, and had many, um, ministries and outreach and all of that. And, and so, um, as far as these preachers wanting jets and buying houses and all of that, if that's something that their congregation want to do, then, I mean, who am I to say? My personal belief is that, you know, um, that preachers don't need those extravagant things. But again, um, I think that we need to keep our keep our mind and our focus on Jesus and his message and staying in soul. Isn't it hard and- to do when the leaders continues to talk about money? I mean, I found it, I found it to be very odd and sad that they are living on a high hog, as the old folks used to say. And then they are getting money from people who are barely paying their rent, their electric bill, or even their mortgage. You know, it, it's sad. Uh, it should be the other way around. You know, Jesus washed the feet of his followers, of his disciples. He didn't uh, allow them to wash his feet. Jesus said that he came to serve. So here's the thing. Out of compassion and Christ-like thing to do is, and opposed to paying or to live in this extravagant house, traveling in this extravagant vehicle or way, and look at my congregation as they depart the church on foot i wouldn't be able to sleep at night after seeing those things but then again like you said uh no one passed judge and and i'm not passing judge i'm just trying to figure out why the teenagers uh especially the teenagers have no interest of going to church and now i see that older people refuse to go to church because as soon as they read uh, about a leader of the church as soon as they see it on the news about a leader of a church or even if they just hear it off the corners or the streets they're gonna say see that's why i don't go to church mm-hmm. so what can we do mm-hmm. what can we do what can we do to get people back in church what can we do Four four three eight eight five zero nine eight seven four four three zero eight uh four four three eight eight five zero nine Eight seven or just text. Give me some ideas. What can we do to get people back in church? You know, it, when I look at the church, you know, the I see that there are not a lot of young people in the church, and the young people they're the future of the church. So there is a desperate need to to get these young bodies in the church because they're the ones that's going to have to take over. Um, you know, they're the next generation, and if the church will die, it's but you got to get them so. in the church, minister. You, you got to get, get them, them in. in there. The parents are not forcing them. Like my mother and father, they told me 
if you are old enough and you can get out and go to the movies or go on a date or go to the ball game or go to the club dancing, you getting up on Sunday morning and you going to church, period, period. But I your parents to, went to church with you, right? Well, that's my point. So what can we say or do to the parents to get them to in church in order for them they to get there? They have to be in there first, yeah. That's why, I mean, so what What can we say or do? There, there are bad examples. They are bad, horrible examples. You know, you, you, you go into church with an, you leave home with an attitude. As on your way to the church, someone cuts you off, you're cursing them out. And then you go back mm-hmm. and then you go into church, you walk in the building, you uh you got on this fake smile, but as soon as as you see whoever is sitting in your seat, quote, uh you get upset. You get upset. You know, and speaking of seating, you know, I go to church, uh I visit different churches and and well before the COVID, but I was going to different churches and I walk into church and the ushers are telling me where to sit. I mean, there's a uh-huh. whole session. No one is there, but they are telling me where to sit. Well, a couple of times I went and sat where I wanted to sit. So, so, so look what happened. Uh, uh, I was removed from that area because they say it's reserved for someone who's been sitting there for years. Come on. Uh-huh. And then I, I uh-huh. go to the Vesterview. There's an ATM machine. You got to be kidding me. Uh-huh. ATM machine, and now these churches are doing cash app. And you know, and I understand, I'm not talking about the pandemic. I'm not talking about that. I understand that with the cash app, but I'm talking about prior to the pandemic. You know, there are uh, mm-hmm. uh, ATM machine, and there are what you call it, where you put your uh, your credit card, your debit card in, like like going to the grocery store, and it accept your amount or whatever. You know, you can pay Michael it with your debit card. Or something. Yes, mm-hmm. they have that now. They passing that around. They don't use plates anymore. I'm talking about some of the churches that I have visited. What's the answer? What's going on? How can we get the mothers, the mothers in church, for so that they can get their kids in church? Your thoughts? Well, I mean, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. I think that. Um, Neil, I think that we have to be the change that we want to see. And I know that sounds very cliche, but I think that when we, I think that when we take our eyes off Jesus and we start focusing on the people around us, that's where we begin to get in trouble. If we don't take our eyes off Jesus, we are not seeing the people that is around us. Or did I misunderstood that, what you just said? What I'm saying is, um, because I have been a victim of, um, of this as well, looking at other people and um, becoming disheartened at them as, supposed to be Christian, but acting a certain way. But one thing that I had to learn to do, and my mentor, um, um, Reverend Leticia Hilgadet, has helped me tremendously in doing is... She's your spiritual leader? Yes, yes. And she's also my mentor. Yeah. She's your mentor. What is is her name again? um, Reverend Leticia Hilgadet. Awesome. 
one of the things that she has been instrumental in my life and helping me to do is to keep my eye on Jesus and his message and for me to be, to show love to, um, regardless of what anybody else does, I have to, because I, I only have one soul to save and, and, um, that's my own, my own soul. And so I have to keep my eye on Jesus. I cannot look at the nasty usher. I cannot look at. But you can talk um, to him. The, you can talk to him. Yeah, and, and I talk just, to him and, and show know, them and, love. And not just and not just talk to him. There's a verse in the Bible that uh, that says something in reference to let your light shine so other may see. So if we uh-huh. don't pay attention to those others, then uh, then they're lost. Uh, we our job as as Christians, we, we have to go on a mission. That's why they're called missionaries. And that is to go out there and help those who can't help themselves get closer to Christ, you know, or, or become saved, sanctified. The Bible teaches us that um, when one soul is saved, all the angels, we're talking trillions, they rejoice over one soul. But it's sad that because of, of the leaders, and I'm speaking in general, they are not living up to the point where they should. They will lose that one soul. Well, yeah. You know um, I'm going to end on that note with you. Thank you so uh, so very much. And, thank you uh, for having. Yes, and I had a great time with you. And thank you for your patience. And have a blessed, blessed evening. You too. Good night. All right. Bye bye. Okay, there you go. There you go. The minister Sonia Gatlin. Oh, yes, yes, she, de- she, she deserves an applause. So remember, lift up your head and continue to do good all that you can for all the people you can in all the ways you can for as long as you can. And remember, God loves you. God loves you. God will always be there with you, no matter how hard it is. Don't give up. Hey. He loves you. Thanks for tuning in. Do you have a story to tell? Tell it here on the Mailbag Podcast. Send Neil an email. He would love to hear from you. And have you on as his next guest.